You know, if you're like me, you never get tired of meat and potatoes. And there's some things in the gospel that we never get get tired of. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can hear it a thousand times, and it gets sweeter each time you hear it. And there's some things that we never, never outgrow. You never reach the point that you're so spiritual that you don't need Jesus Christ in your life. You know, Christ said in John 14, 19, when talking to his disciples, he says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you shall see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Because Christ died and was resurrected, we live today by his resurrected life. We live upon Christ. And we'll never grow so spiritual that we won't need to be continually living upon the living bread, Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to bring to our attention this morning. I've preached this many times here, but I felt the need this morning that we need to come back to the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. You know, Paul says Satan wants to take you away from the simplicity that's in Christ. You know, it's okay to study doctrine. We study about the church. We study about the deity of Christ. We study about the Trinity. We study about many different subjects in the Word of God. But Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It all centers in Christ, beloved. All doctrine points back to Jesus Christ. And this morning, I hope by the grace of God, we can, uh, for a few, for a little while, think upon the Lord Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul writing there says, And be found in Him, talking about Jesus Christ, not having my own righteousness, Isaiah says, our righteousness in ourselves is as filthy rags, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. In verse 10, he said, that I may know him. This is what we each one want to know. We sing a song that I might know him more and more. And that should be our prayer, to know the Lord more and more each day and the power of His resurrection, and that we want to experience His living resurrection power in our lives daily, in our lives. We need that. Of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, how we can uh, have fellowship with the Lord uh, in our prayer life and communion. And also while we're suffering, we're, we, we have fellowship with Christ in suffering, being made conformable unto His death. Uh, we all, Paul says, we all die daily, and we do die daily. And as we think about the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, each one of these uh, truths should be uh, be a reality in our lives. The first thing we're going to look at is uh, for His life and obedience. Hebrews 7.22 says, By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament or better covenant. Christ obeyed the law on our behalf. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. We know who that was. That was Adam. When he sinned, we all sinned in Adam. We all fell. We all sinned. We all came under condemnation in Adam. 
So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And that one there is talking about Jesus Christ. By the obedience of one, how are we made righteous? By his obedience, by his righteousness. He obeyed the law and his obedience is imputed to us. We stand in God's presence in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he says, I find no fault in him. Oh, beloved, hallelujah. That's where we stand. Romans 5.17 says, If by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. I love the way Paul put that, the Holy Spirit through Paul. The abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. It's abundance. God shed abroad abundantly upon us grace and the gift, the gift of righteousness. It's a gift, beloved. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift. And we should thank God for that gift. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. There's a, there's a life of the spirit that's in each child of God and that life of the spirit lives through us and in us. And we should praise God for that. So we see that we live by his life in obedience. And that gives us that righteousness, that gift comes through Christ. What a wonderful gift. He's called the unspeakable gift. And he gives us treasures. All the spiritual blessings in heavenly places are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, 3. Oh, beloved, can you think of anything that you need that Jesus can't meet your need? Everything that we need, he can meet it. We are made righteous by his obedience. 5:19. This is a great truth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. His righteousness is imputed to us. In other words, it's laid to our account. It's put to our account to wit or to know. The word wit means to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now that we are ambassadors for Christ, it's through God beseech you by us. We pray that you... In Christ stand, well, I'm getting out of, ambassadors for Christ as through God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ dead be ye reconciled to God, for he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was made sin on our behalf. His righteousness is imputed to us or laid to our account. When he died on the cross, our sins was laid upon him on Calvary. Your sins were laid upon Christ, imputed to him. This is legally, judicially. Christ did not suffer inwardly as sin, in the sense that he the sins were his sins. No, judicially and legally he suffered for our sins. Some people think Christ became sin, actually. That's blasphemous to even think such a thing. But his obedience and his righteousness is imputed to us. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, But of him... Are you in Christ Jesus? That's of him is talking about God the Father. But of him, God the Father, are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Brother Jesus is our all in all. As Paul says, we read earlier, and be found in him not having my own righteousness. When I stand before God in that last day, I don't want to be standing there in Leroy's righteousness. I want to stand that day in Christ's righteousness. 
And that's something we all look forward to. Peter said in 2 Peter 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Oh, beloved, God gives us faith. Each one is given faith in regeneration. We've been born of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is faith. We are complete in Him. Sometimes you feel so incomplete in yourself, and outside of Christ we are incomplete. But we are complete in Him, and Colossians 2.10 says we are, we are perfect in Christ, not in ourselves. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principalities and power. Complete in who? Not yourself, not someone else, in Him, in Christ Jesus. Our sins are forgiven for His name's sake. Ephesians 4.32 You know, we, we know that famous verse that we quote many times. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all our sins for His righteousness sake, for His sake. It's because of Christ's sake God forgives us. He washes our sins away. He forgives us. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all. I like the word all there. Child of God, there's no sin God can't cleanse you from. And that's sometimes the devil will bring your sins and just, you know, make a picture of them right in front of your eyes. And you can say all those sins have been forgiven for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. And tie those two verses together. Ephesians 4.32 and 1 John 1.9. Tie them together. If we confess, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because it says in the end of verse 32, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. It's for Christ's sake the Father forgives us. He was our substitute in our stead, Matthew 121. He died as our Savior. He died as our sacrifice, Hebrews 9.26. He was our high priest to offer that sacrifice, Hebrews 2.17 and 18. He suffered as a substitute. For another substitutionary sacrifice, he was your substitute lamb before God. You know, when Abraham was going to took his son to slay him, and before he slayed him, God provided a sacrifice. Before the wrath of God fell upon you and I, God provided a lamb. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was our substitute. He died in our place. That's what it means. Substitutionary. He took our place at Calvary. The word sacrifice is viewed from the perspective of guilt. We were under the guilt of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Propitiation from the wrath of God. Reconciliation is viewed from alienation. We were separated from God through the fall of Adam. And we fell in Him. Redemption from bondage in terms of a ransom. Someone had to pay a ransom price to redeem you and I. So brother, we'd be, be thankful that Jesus offered Himself a sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Ephesians 5, 2 talks about that sacrifice. Propitiation is his suffering as a sacrifice, shedding his blood and giving his life. He pacified the law of God giver and his justice. God the Father, Romans 3.25. God doesn't overlook our sins. He doesn't wink at our sins. It's sin. God hates sin. 
but in the sufferings of Jesus Christ as a sacrifice, shedding his blood, giving his life, he pacified the Father's justice. And God sees us in his Son. We were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. We were predestinated to be holy and conform to the image of his Son. And what God starts, he finishes. We are in Christ Jesus. And he's made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Can you think of anything that you don't need, that you need outside of that? He's everything to the believer. Everything. Amen. Beloved. And you know something? We never get so spiritual and gross in our life that we don't still need to come to the Lord for mercy. You know, we were helpless and undone in our when we were dead in sins and God came to us and quickened us and gave us life and we looked to Christ. And from that moment on, we still look to the head of the church. We look to the head of our spiritual life. Paul looked to Jesus. He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, because he saw his people whom he was shedding his life for, shedding his blood, giving his life for our sins. Paul says in Ephesians 1, 6, he had made us accepted in the beloved. You know, Satan would get you trying to do everything to get accepted in God's presence. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. We are to obey the Lord, but our acceptance is always in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Now, we're to do those things that please the Lord. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. He's our surety, Romans 7, 20. He took our place. He was our surety. Colossians 3, 4 says, He is our life. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we appear with Him in glory. Beloved, your life is in Christ. When He comes, that life, when we're resurrected and that body is back together with the Spirit, that life we will receive will be the life of Christ in us. We will be changed to a spiritual body like Jesus Christ. What a glorious day that will be. No wonder we're looking for the coming of the Lord. He's our high priest at the right hand of God, Hebrews 8.1. He's an advocate with the Father, 1 John 2.1. He's our mediator, Hebrews 12 and 24. Beloved, every need in your life, Jesus can meet that need. You have sin in your life, He's your sacrifice. You need forgiveness, He paid the price. You need righteousness, Jesus is your righteous. You need someone to meet, to pray for you. He's your advocate with the Father. You need a high priest. He's your high priest. You need life. Christ said, because I live, you shall live also. He is your life and my life. You know, the tree, the branches come forth, and it lives, and the leaves come out because of the root. And the sap that's in the root comes up and nourishes the leaves and the limbs. And we're like that. We're in the root. And that root is Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit brings that strength to us. And we live upon the root. And the cross is our root. He's called the root and offspring of David. Oh, beloved, what a wonderful Savior we have. We are to look unto Him, as I quoted earlier, in all things. No matter what your condition or my condition. Always remember, Paul said in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus. That means looking away from everything else in your life. We all get in situations where we don't know what to do. When you get in those situations, 
Just put them out of your mind and look to Jesus. It means looking away from everything else. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, because he was buying your soul, he was purchasing your redemption, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He has bought our salvation. He has redeemed us from all iniquity. And He's always there as the loving Savior, the advocate with the Father. is always standing right by our side, ready to help us. Oh, beloved. The Scriptures say we have a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. And it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We sing that hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Oh, beloved, isn't it a wonderful privilege to go to God in prayer? Second thing we look at is his obedience unto death. His obedience. He was obedient in all things to his father. He says in Hebrews 9, 15, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, the Old Covenant, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. First Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. He was the just one. He was holy, without blemish, without spot. He died for the unjust, for you and I. We were unjust. We were guilty, filthy, uncondemned, sinned in Adam. We deserved hell. And Christ gave His life the just one, for the unjust. But we're quickened in new birth by the Spirit at the end of that verse. Verse 14 of Hebrews says in verse 2, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. In his deity he could not die for sin. That's why he was incarnated and had to become man so he could die as our substitute. He died as our kindred brother. He died in our place. He laid down his life. His blood was shed. His life was given. And he cried out on the cross, it's finished. Salvation was finished, beloved. He redeemed his people through his sacrifice. He gave his life. He gave his uh, blood, shed his blood, and he gave up the ghost to save you and I. No wonder it says in, in Revelation, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Revelation one eighteen says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. This is talking about his humanity. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Beloved, he's the one that controls all things. He has the keys to hell and he has the keys to life. And he's the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. What a Savior we serve. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I have received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He died for our sins according to the Scripture. What does Christ's death mean to us in the present time? What does it mean to you and I right now? Our first thought is our sins are washed away by His blood on the cross by His atonement. Revelation 1 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us. Now think about it. He loved us. 
Love always goes before sacrifice. The reason we would sacrifice our time, our pleasures, for people, love has to precede sacrifice. So if you're going to do things to others, it has to proceed from a heart of love. That's what makes it so, so effective. The prince that came out to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. How did he loose us? That word wash means to loose. How did he loose us from our sins? Through the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The blood is what cleanses from sin, beloved. And, and Christ's blood is present tense, cleansing us from all sin in, in the present tense in 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son is, his son cleanses us, present tense, cleansing us from all sin. Every moment of our lives, the blood is continually cleansing us from all sin. What is our responsibility? To confess it. If you sin today, if you sin yesterday, tomorrow, future, you're to confess your sins before God to maintain your fellowship with God. Sin breaks fellowship. It breaks our fellowship with God. It doesn't break our relationship, but it does break our fellowship with God. So hold short accounts with God. Confess your sins. It's God's purpose and will for you to confess. We're to confess. And he says, if we do confess, he's faithful and just to forgive. Why would we not confess it when God's so willing to forgive? Oh, beloved. Satan blinds us so many times to so many things when it comes to spiritual things. Christ's death broke the power of the sinful nature once and for all. Romans 6.2 says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Before we were saved by the grace of God, Satan had complete control over us. Sin dominated us, and we could not refuse it. It had control. Once you're born again and have the Spirit of God, have a new nature, we can say no to sin. We can say no to the old nature. Now that is where the battle comes comes in, beloved. It's a, what is the Christian life is a choice between good and evil. You either choose good or evil, right and wrong, <coughs> serving God. Satan is always tempting us to do what? Disobey God. That's that's his whole purpose and temptation to ha- cause us to disobey God. When he was tempting Christ, what was he trying to get Christ to do? To act independent of his father. Well, just command these stones, make them bread. You can do that. You're son of God. He was trying to get him to act independent of God. And now what he does for you and I, the same thing. He tries to get us to act independent of God. God's word should be first in our lives. And when I preach to the, on the series on the devil, I'll be dealing with that. Satan is constantly wanting you and I to disobey God's Word. And I'll say this, and I say this in sincerity. There is no fellowship with God if you're living in sin. Whether it be myself or you, no matter who it is. And we all have this conflict. This isn't a one-time thing that you have a conflict with sin. It's a daily conflict dealing with sin. Not just outwardly. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life as we studied in 1 John. We have to deal with ourselves personally. That inward desires which are forbidden by God, we have to deal with those things. They're real issues. Christ broke the power of sin. 
We are justified from all sin, Romans 6, 7. But he that is dead is freed from sin. That word free there is word means justified from sin. We've been justified. We've been acquitted from sin. Because we are dead unto sin and alive unto God. Right lies reckon you yourselves also to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank God that we are alive unto God. You're resurrected to walk in what? Newness of life. New life. New, new emotions. New desires. You know, before you're born again and before you really come to Christ and know Christ in your soul, we, we had the affections of the world. We loved the things of the world. Just like everyone else, we followed the world, the world system. But once you're born again, you have affections for a new father, heavenly father. You have affections for new brothers and sisters in the Lord. You love them and you try to help and encourage one another. And this is the way it is in, in the Christian life. We are changed. We're walking in newness of life. And this is something I use every day. And every night, we are to go to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need in this present time. You never become so spiritual and you never grow so strong that you don't need a throne of grace. Because as sure as I'm alive today and you are alive today, you're going to sin before the day's over. And what do you need when you sin? You need mercy. And what do you need once you've got mercy? Well, Lord, if you don't give me grace in the future, I'll, I'll sin again. So God gives us mercy to forgive us and gives us grace to keep us from sin. God is so good to us. He's provided our needs, our beloved, in every situation of life. Satan wants to, wants to paint a, a, a God as a cruel God, a, a God that it wants just to beat us up. No, God has provided everything that we need. Mercy and grace to help in time of what? Need. Need. Yes, you are in need. I'm in need. I need mercy every day. Sometimes I need mercy. Like Roger says, every minute I have to pray for mercy. And I need His grace. He told Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So many times, have you felt that weakness in your own soul? I've experienced that every day. My weakness. Some things Satan has more power in your life than others. We each want to have our particular weakness. But Jesus says, no matter what that weakness is, my strength can be per made perfect in your weakness. What a wonderful thought, Brother Dave. No matter what your weakness is, beloved children of God, no matter what we have to face in our own inward conflict, Jesus says, I'm sufficient to meet that need. Sometimes it's hard to believe. God says, I won't put no temptation upon you, but such which is common to man, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it or endure it. He says, I will make a way to escape. But are we looking for the escape? There's the exit. But if I keep looking around over here and don't look at the exit and go out that door, I'm not going to follow the exit. God makes us an exit to get a, to overcome sin, overcome a temptation. Too many times we, we desire the temptation more than we desire victory. And that's why we have a, such a battle dealing with the flesh. It says in 4.15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. We don't really comprehend that verse. But it's saying that Jesus was tempted 
like we are in all points yet without sin. The difference is he had no sin, but we do. But he was still tempted. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Sometimes I run to the throne of grace, if you know what I'm talking about. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We sing that song, we're need. We need thee every hour. We need the God every second. Aren't you grateful that you can go to the Lord in time of need? God loved us so much. In his life and death, he not only washed our sins away, he saved us. He provided a righteousness for us. But in our daily living, he's there to help us get through the day. At the end of the day, he says, now here's my throne. It's a throne of mercy. Where you can find mercy and then you can find grace to help you in time of need. I'm grateful for that. We need to take time and just say, thank you, Father. For a throne of grace. Thank you for every drop of mercy. Thank you for every drop of blood that cleanses my sins. Thank you for every good deed that you put into my life. And thank you for your many blessings. We have fellowship in his death each time we ask for forgiveness. In our daily walk with God by his blood. We fellowship in his blood. By being cleansed by that blood. Next thing we're going to look at is his resurrection. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He is the, he is the resurrection and life. He cried out to Lazarus, come forth. And boy, he came forth. That body moved, I think, mysteriously came forth. He was still wrapped up. But it moved out, came forth by the power of God. He told them to unwrap him. They unwrapped him. You say, how did he come out? He couldn't walk. The power of God brought him out. Oh, beloved, sometimes we overlook little things like that. Christ's resurrection. Paul said, I declared to be, and declared to be the Son of God with power, talking about Jesus, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Paul says in Romans 6, 5, we've been planted together in the likeness of his death. We go under the water in baptism, picture, symbolic. We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. We come out of the watery grave in likeness of his resurrection that we may walk in newness of life, a new creature, a new creation in God. And again, Paul says, I may know him. And the power of His resurrection. We living today by the power of His resurrected life. He gives us life. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who infuses strength into me. Who was delivered for our offenses. Oh, thank God, I have many offenses. But He was delivered to the cross because of my offenses. He was raised again for our justification. He is declarative. He's Declare what his resurrection is saying. You're justified. You're forgiven. You're, you're cleansed. You're complete in me. You're accepted in the beloved. What does Christ's resurrection mean to us in the present day? Paul said in Romans 5.10. We need to get this into our minds. 
For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We are being delivered and saved in our present life by His resurrected life. He has power. He says, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. He has all power, all authority. And we're living, Paul says, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. It's Christ living in us. Romans 4.25 says, For who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. And also in uh, power over the old nature, the old man over the evil one, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. <clears throat> now to him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask to think according to the power that worketh in us or is operating in us. Beloved, what power is operating in us? The power of God. The power of God. Colossians 1.11 says, Strengthen with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Oh, we should be joyful that God's power is working in us to give us the victory in our daily lives. You say, how do I, if I sin? How can I have victory in sin? Through the blood you're cleansed. And mercy forgives and grace lifts you back up. Oh, beloved, hallelujah. Peter started sinking on that water when he looked at the waves and we look at sin sometimes and we start sinking going down and Peter cried, Lord, save me, I perish. When we cry out, the Lord's right there at our side and he lifts us up, our soul, and gives us that peace that passeth all understanding. Hallelujah, what a Savior. In all power being empowered, passive voice, according to the might of the glory of Him. That's what that verse is saying. Strengthen with all might and all power being empowered. The power of God is empowering you for service. According to the might of the glory of Him. Oh, hallelujah. We quote this verse quite often. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, my brethren, be strong and be strengthened in the Lord. And in the power of His might, it's by our fellowship in the Lord that we're strengthened. When you pray, we're praying in union with the Lord. As we pray, we're being strengthened. If you need strength, you need to pray. God meets us in prayer. The Father said He would meet us in the secret place. He would reward us openly. He rewards us by giving us inward strength to overcome the devil, the evil one. Finally, my brethren, be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of His might, being empowered, a passive force. In the Lord, it's in union with the Lord that we're being empowered and in the might of the strength of Him. It's all His strength. It's all the glory to the Lord. He's made unto us wisdom and power and righteousness and sanctification. He's everything. Paul said He's all in all. He's everything that we need. And he says in one verse he ha that He might have the preeminence in our life, the first place. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, which we quoted earlier, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He's active and strengtheneth you. Beloved, don't lose sight of these verses. Don't lose sight of these truths. You need these truths every day. You don't come as so spiritual and so strong that you don't need the Lord. Satan wanted you to act independent. I will ascend above the Most High God. I will be like God. That's your downfall. When you think you're something, Paul says you're nothing. And that's true of all of us. 
Oh, I've arrived. I'm really, I know the scriptures. I know Revelation. I know Genesis. I know the Word of God. I know doctrine. Oh, boy, I really know things. I really have grown. I'm, I'm, I, I've arrived. That's when you're starting to fall. When you start looking at yourself. And in closing, the ascension of Christ. What should that mean to us as we look at this? John 3.13 said that no man has ascended up to heaven, but he which came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. How was he in heaven and on earth at the same time? In his human body, he was on earth. In his divine nature, he was in heaven because he's omnipresent, everywhere present. That's the God we serve. <laughs> Hallelujah. What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he were before Wherefore he said when he ascended up on high, he gave, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And when he had spoken these things in the book of Acts 1 9, while they beheld, he was taken up and cloud received him out of their sight. And while they were looking steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, also shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. They witnessed Jesus going into heaven on the cloud. He went up and right before their eyes. Boy, I tell you what, I imagine they was all just amazed, bewildered. What was going on? Jesus is going up in the air. There he goes, there he goes. And then the angels come back and testify, and he's coming back again. And that's what we're waiting on. We're waiting the day when he comes again, beloved, like he went up in the clouds. Every eye shall see him. Oh, beloved, what a day that will be. What does that mean for us today? Because of his ascension, he gave gifts unto his church. He that descended is he the same also that ascended up far above heaven that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. He did it for perfecting of you, for your spiritual growth, that the church could grow. That's why he gave us the church. That's why he instituted the church. That's why he gives pastors and teachers for the perfecting, the building up of the people of God. God has a purpose in everything he does till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, a mature man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That's why we're being conformed to the image of Christ every day of our lives until we reach the day of the resurrection. We will be complete conformed to his image. What a day that will be. He ascended up into heaven as our great high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Beloved, don't give up. Don't give up. Satan wants us to get discouraged, get down, give up. What's the use? I can't live it. But he can live the life in you and through you. And God has provided everything that we need. You sin, he, he provided a way of forgiveness. You get weak, he said, my grace is made strength strong in your weakness. You don't know how to walk? Read His Word. He'll guide you in His Word how to live, how to lie, how to walk, and what to do. Everything God's provided a way. Here's the way. Walk you in it. Who neither not daily sacrifices those priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sin and then for the people. But this he did once when he offered up himself. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost. 
that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercessions for them. He's ever living to make intercessions for you and me. Hallelujah. Everything He did, Brother Dave, was for you and I. was for His people. Everything. Listen to that. Seeing He ever liveth to make intercessions for them. Now, things which we have spoken, this is the psalm. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. What a Savior. Beloved, what a Savior that we have. I pray that a few of these thoughts this morning may encourage you. Don't give up. Paul said, I fought the good fight of faith. It's a fight. It's a battle. And sometimes you get knocked down. Brothers and sisters, if you see someone knocked down, help them get up. Comfort one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Just don't tell somebody you love them. Show them you love them. And that's what we need to do in our daily lives. And I pray that you'll realize every day of your life that we need these simple truths. We never outgrow our need of Jesus. Brother Roger, we never do. May we pray. Father, we thank you for this message. I pray that you'll speak to all our hearts to keep looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, and I pray that we'll have joy in one day that we can hear the Lord say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, we long for that day. Bless us with thy presence. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. Someone have a song in closing.